Hello, this is Matt Murrow, I'm the worship pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, November 12, 2023. Hey everybody, I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor at Glenelg Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor at Glenelg Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Hey, I've got some football data. I'm never the, the guy that opens with football. Oh, Did you see man. the Texas A&M buyout? <laughs> Did I see? Can I tell you what's been going through my mind? Apparently they're, not good at, apparently they're not good at writing contracts down there. No. <laughs> I, got, I got. Do you know my, what I would do with $76 million? I just so, keep thinking about it. I'm like, God. Oh. My, my son, who's a college football coach, to the family text string goes, my new goal is to get fired by an SEC totally. yeah, right. powerhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sad. I mean, I really liked Jimbo. Too bad. I mean, I don't feel sorry for him. Don't get me wrong. Is he a loser? You know, it's funny. No. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, he was. He didn't win, if that's what you mean by a loser. I saw somebody say, you just got nationally fired from your job and you have, you're having a better day than 99.9% of people oh, on the planet. On the planet. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a loss. It's crazy. All right. That whole world is just crazy. You talk Michi- a- what's, can we talk about Michigan? Where that was we that? won without our coach? <laughs> I know. The signs At Happy Valley. the stands were the funniest part of that game. The whole thing is hilarious The whole to me. thing where, you know, people are creative. So is his removal from the sideline um, a result or direct consequences for his team's behavior or his behavior? It's actually, they said the university starts at the top. So they said that they don't know exactly. They don't have, they basically admitted they don't have all the information, but they feel like there's enough smoke there that something bad happened. They need to put some water on And so they, they said it's punitive, but not to him directly. What I think a lot of that's just avoiding some lawsuit stuff too. I don't, I don't know. The whole thing's a mess. Okay. All I know is he wasn't there. There was no, nothing of stealing of anything that's been going on. And we still won. Who, who so, did they play? I didn't. Penn State at Penn, Penn State. State. Okay. That's a game. Yeah, can you imagine 20 hours before kickoff? I mean, I'm not feeling sorry for anyone. Like, I'm just saying, can you imagine being thrust into that position nationally? Yeah. I mean, you didn't think you were going to coach that game, and then you, <laughs> you had to coach the game and be the offensive coordinator. That's just a lot. There's a lot of pressure there. It's craziness, how it all works. Did you see Travis went to see Taylor? <laughs> I did. That's hilarious. <laughs> so you know, Wait, is that the guy that plays for the Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> well, so he's dating... He's yeah, dating uh, Swift, yeah, right? Yeah, he's just some right. random football player, and right? He's a tight end, <laughs> and he's 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 pretty good. Really? I, oh, <laughs> no. I didn't. No, you know what's funny though? Is she people, changed her lyrics. So I song. know. He flew down. He flew down Sweet. to wherever in South America, Central Argentina. America, or Argentina, and saw her concert. Right. So you know, because that's the thing. All the all think the games he was she's there been to at. Watch the concert, Matt. I just oh, let's <laughs> be honest. <laughs> no, 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 loves, no, he loves her music. No, you know, he went down just to pick up, just to check out a concert. I can only name I mean, two songs. <laughs> um, so no, listen to this though. So like every game she's been at, we've looked really good, and the game she hasn't been at, we haven't looked very good. So last night he or this past weekend, whenever it was, Kelsey goes down there to her show, and yesterday was like the best day the Chiefs have had this whole season, and they were on a bye. So someone posted like the video <laughs> clip of them happening, and then like the Taylor Swift effect. Bengals lose, Ravens lose, <laughs> Chargers lose. I mean, it was just like boom, 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 unbelievable. Everything. The Taylor oh, Swift man. effect. Mm. Um, let's do some work. Yeah, let's get into it. 
All right, so uh, John was up at Poplar. I was at Poplar. Kelly was here at 501. So let's get into some questions. First up, my question is about the word world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, but I recently read 1 John 2.15-16, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And it goes on to say, Anything in the world is not from the Father. Is this a translation issue? What is the world that we are not to love? And who is the world that God so loved? Yeah, let's draw a distinction. It's as simple as drawing a distinction, uh, and it's a contextual distinction. So reading the context around both those passages, we get a sense of what the word world is meaning. So it's uh, let's draw a distinction as we read those contexts. Um, John 3.16 is talking about people of the world, and John 3 is about how Christ is coming to the world and his own haven't loved him um, a light is coming to the world, but men love darkness. And then he said, but God loves the world. And the point is that God loves these people that are rejecting him or have rejected him. And then First uh, John 2 is a different context. Uh, the world there is the sin of the world. So John 3.16 is the people of the world, and First John 2 is the sin of the world, uh, which separates humanity from God. So in what God hates about the world is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. So it's, it's fairly contextually clear that um, world there is talking about two different things. Cool. That's pretty uh, straightforward. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Can you talk more about the distinction, the, the distinction between being in the world and not living for the world? Yeah. So... Uh, Let's see, yesterday, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the, um, I talked about how the people listed, both men and women, in the hall of faith, um, they lived for another world. They, lived, they looked forward to a quote-unquote better country, and, and the author talks about how God is preparing a city for those who live by faith. So there's this eternal perspective. Although we live in the world, we don't live for this world. We actually live for an eternal experience. Um, at the same time, I tried to talk about, and I, you know, I, it was quick. So I just said, hey, we, we live in the world, and, but I didn't go into the implications of that. So, I, you know, with my children, I would, I'd be really clear. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. It's meant to be enjoyed. But receiving and enjoying God's gifts is different than living for those gifts. That's called idolatry. So when we take the gifts of God, whether it's our money or our time or our bodies, things that are, are created to be enjoyed, and we begin to live for them, quote unquote, bowing to them and worshiping them is another way to say it, then that becomes idolatry. So the distinction between being in the world but not living for the world is, is really a distinction of uh, how are we, where are we focused and, and what are we living for. So there's a great story that I thought about including yesterday. Uh, it's the story of Demas, D-E-M-A-S. If you go to Bible Gateway and just plug in the name Demas, it'll bring up three passages where Demas is mentioned. He is a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. And so in Colossians, at the close of Colossians, Paul says uh, he's listing folks that, that are with him and sending their greetings. Demas is one of them. Our friend Demas greets you, as he says in Colossians 4. 
And then in Philemon, he closes Philemon in saying, fellow workers, these fellow workers are with me, and they send their greetings. One of them is Demas. In one of the friends list, Demas is mentioned before Luke. And so many people say that Demas played a more popular role than the, the gospel writer Luke, uh, a more prominent role, I should say, than the gospel writer Luke in, the, in Paul's ministry, such that he's, he figures first in the, in the list of friends. The last letter written by Paul, I think I've got that right, 2 Timothy, the last letter written by Paul, there is a, a small mention of Demas, and it's not flattering. It says, uh, come to it, he says, He's right. Paul's writing to me. He says, come to me quickly for Demas loved this world and left me. He went back uh, to his, his old ways, his old life. And so there is this love for the world that drew Demas away. He was once a prominent co-worker with Paul, but by the end of Paul's writing ministry, his last letter in the New Testament, Demas is not with him. Demas has gone back, and Paul kind of lays it out because he loved the world, the things of this world. And we're not clear exactly what that meant for Demas, um, but we need to be honest. There is, we're to live uh, for eternal, um, and we need to hold loosely the things of this world, the gifts given to us. And that pull is very I did do a lot of work around this, how suburbanites, we don't like to be strange in this world. We don't like the sense of being foreigners. I mean, if suburbia is about anything, it's about settling down, fitting in. That's good. Next one. Next. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, loved the biodome story. Fascinating. <laughs> and this is for John. So John referenced in his sermon yesterday. It's a cool movie story. biodome. Yeah. What uh, with the legendary Polly Shore <laughs> reference, <laughs> so the picture you put up was priceless. Yeah, it's classic, right? All right, so love the biodome story. Fascinating. How are we supposed to pray if trials are actually needed to develop strength and go on to maturity? Do we pray for trials to go away? It's a great question. question. Hey, just revisit the biodome story for mm-hmm. the five hundred one hillside people. So I have no idea what you're talking about. The takeaway. Yeah, so they're. Um, in the 90s, there was this uh, scientific experiment where they built a dome in the Arizona, in the desert part of Arizona somewhere, and they built this massive dome, and the idea was that they were going to, to try to understand scientifically a world that was untouched by pollution. They were going to create an environment that was like a back to Eden kind of an experience, and there was all these weird things that happened. I don't have to get all into that, but they had... They actually had people that lived in there, and then it all like their community like collapsed, and like Lord of the Flies, grow, they couldn't grow food, and they were supposed to be locked in there with no communication to the outside world, and then they were going to study all this stuff. Is this a true story? Yes, hundred percent true. It's a real. You can read it. You can see hmm. the people that were involved in it. It will shock you who was actually involved. Anyway, they made a movie with these two like hippie dudes, <laughs> Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin venture into the biodome and get locked inside. <laughs> Lots of humor. So it's a true Lots story. Lots of then, horrible. Then so because it was so popular, like the biodome idea, they made a, they made a movie out of it. Yeah. If you're at the Gen Xer and yeah. someone says biodome, 
You're thinking the movie. It should have never <laughs> been popular, but it was in that era of movies, whatever. And every it was a lot of people in the in the room knew what I was referring to, which is funny. Anyway, it had a resurgence during COVID because of the whole like lockdown and all this. It came back, I think, on Netflix. Yeah. They brought it back. Yeah. Every, it was like in the top like ten trending movies so for wild. like a month. It was anyway. So a lot of people think, oh, the biodome collapsed. It was no big deal. It's like this funny thing. It was just a movie. It doesn't even exist. Truth is, it still exists. And it's owned by the University of Arizona in partnership with the government. And they're actually doing significant scientific work under this dome. And one of the fascinating things that they've learned is that trees in the environment of the biodome grow incredibly rapidly and super healthy. But they get to a point where all of a sudden they collapse under their own weight. They're almost like too healthy in the dome for to be able to survive. And so they collapse under their own weight and they don't bounce back. So what they discovered is that there's one key ingredient that's missing in the life of a tree in the biodome environment. And that key ingredient is wind. If you don't have wind, if a tree doesn't have wind, it doesn't develop what's called stress wood. So the wind actually blows against the tree as it is a sapling, and it actually breaks the cellular structure of the tree so that the, it creates a different kind of cellulose, and it makes stress wood. And so you have to have wind blowing against you as a tree in order to grow. So I use, the example, use that example in pulled in James uh, 1, verses 2 and 3, and consider it, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith creates perseverance. Per perseverance then leads to maturity and a fullness of faith. And so I use this, this idea of, man, that sounds like stress wood, that there is this trying things, trial periods that we go through, wind that blows against us, that actually, according to scripture, creates a perseverance that goes on to maturity that leads to a fullness of faith. So not, the, not every trial is, you know, these crushing events in our, our life. Well, bring them on, you know. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that there is wind that blows against us, and there's a reason for it in, a, in many ways, and that we should not try to simply push our trials away or sweep our trials away, but they should be used to build our faith. That's what James talks about. And then that moved us from James and the idea of faith into the faith passage, which is Hebrew 11s, because that's all that's in the author's mind is this idea of faith. And um, so anyway, yeah, I think the question of, so what do we, what do we pray for? I, I, think it, I think it matters in how you think about the, that trial and who you spend time talking about that trial with what, how you determine how you pray. Because a knee-jerk reaction is just to pray away anything that's not comfortable. But that might not be the best thing. It might be a time to pray for the strength to endure, to, to see what God may have for you in that season of trial, um, to let it grow you in maturity, and how maybe it's how you respond to people or um, maybe it draws you into a deeper relationship with the Lord or to, with another person or something. So I do think that there are afflictions that come from the broken and sinful world that we are a part of that we want to pray to endure, but we also may want to pray to have taken from 
yeah. our lives as well. I do think that there is a call to pray for healing. I think we pray for healing relationally and physically, and um, and at the same time we pray for um, wisdom to know what to pray for. We ask the Holy Spirit to move inside of us on our behalf to to encourage us to pray. Um, and so I do think it, I think it's both. I think it's both and. I think there are things that we need to pray for the strength and the wisdom and the courage to endure and to learn from and grow from so that we move on to maturity and a fullness of faith. And then there are things that, um, that we pray to be free of. Yeah, I, prayer is the key. We, we, let's talk to God about what he has for us and what we're facing. Lord, so the first thing to pray is I, when I, I'll often just say, Lord, how do I pray about this? What are you up to here? And trying to see if I can hear God on whether I'm to go through it or he's going to remove it. Yep. I have no problem at all um, praying for removal, um, especially, you know, after you've been praying 10, 15 years and it's a, an element of suffering and you don't you see it go away and, you know, but you know it's producing endurance and... But as long as the posture is, but not, not my will, but yours. You know, I mean, yeah. Jesus even prayed to have the cup taken from him mm -hmm. for the work on the cross. That was the most <laughs> important work in redemptive history. And Jesus prayed that it would be taken from him. Mm -hmm. But he also prayed, if you're willing, take the cup from me, but not my will, and your, but yours be done. Like, right. So because of that, I think it's okay for any, no matter what you're going through, to, to pray that it would end as long as your posture is, and also pray for endurance to, you know, to last and to be built up and to be made more and more like Jesus. Um, but as long as you're, that's your posture, like, God, you know what's best. I don't. Mm -hmm. So ha have your will be done in my life. But, you know, God, I think God loves it that you come to him honestly with your emotions and like, but I, I want this gone, God. Please take this, you know. I think that's a, an honest good and right relationship between you and God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul prayed, asking three times for a thorn to be removed. Uh, God told him no. Yeah. But then reassured him, saying, my grace is sufficient. So that yep. I do think if we're required to go through a hard season, we can count on the grace needed mm -hmm. to endure it, Yeah, to get through it. I was just looking at that passage where Jesus is praying, and after he prays that, an angel appears yeah. and strengthens him. Yeah. And, um, and then he prayed even more earnestly after that. And oh, then, I had forgotten that. And then he gets up and, and his disciples are sleeping. <laughs> and <laughs> sleeping. I think it's important, too, to not use things like, hey, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. This is great. Like, that's not what I'm yeah, right. saying, because that, that actually is not fully true. <laughs> yeah. um, there are things that um, we just need to thank God that he got us yeah. through, and we don't look back on with with necessarily joy yeah right mm -hmm. but we look we look through it as man that's something that happened to me or i went through or even i chose i, so, want, I don't ever want to choose it again i don't ever want it to happen again i don't i don't but i am thankful on the other other side of it i don't even know about that but i would say i'm on the other side of it because i'm thankful to god yeah that's what that I mean. he that he yeah. brought me through but um so I don't want to trivialize or downplay, you know, 
horrible things that happen or even really bad things that we choose or even, but I do think there's a, a, um, an opportunity to thank God in the midst of, of even the hardest of the hard. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes the wind is coming. We don't need to turn around and face the wind so that we feel the wind, right? (laughs) Choose more of wind, please. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I want to, can we go back to your tree analogy for a second? Yeah. Because you said that the trees that are growing in the biodome are healthy Initially, Until, initially, yeah. yeah. And I, I, as you were talking, I was like, well, I guess they weren't if they couldn't to, sustain, you know, they come to a point where they couldn't yes. maintain their own weight. Yes. It's not truly healthy because they haven't right. moved on to right. maturity. Exactly. Right. Or they didn't grow what they needed in order to maintain their own weight, if I've heard you correctly. Right. And so you, we, so the biodome sounds like to what you were saying, like a, a picture of Eden where you know, we're flourishing and there's no sin and that's not us. So we're right. born into the world, you know, from day one where there's brokenness and sin, you know, innately in each of us. And so, um, the goal isn't to be this tree that looks like it's growing healthy and then realizing it, it's not right. and it collapses. Um, I think the goal is to be, I'm going, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really into the tree analogy. <laughs> it's a very, very powerful one. Yeah. It's a good preacher. The, the, I stole it. I didn't make oh, okay. it up. <laughs> well, still, but also I... Also a good preacher. The, Stealing. The, the, the idea of growing with the ability to, with, like, to withstand the wind or the trials, because we're not going to not have them. Right. We will have them. There's right. that's just the nature of our broken world that we're in. Right. Um, until we're in the actual biodome. So I don't know. So I like the question 100%. of how do we pray? Well, it's not like you're praying for trials. You can also pray that the trials would go away, but regardless, the trials exist. And there's just no hundred percent. Yeah, there's no there's no way around it. And um, sometimes they do add to our life in a positive way when we endure through them and we learn from them. And other times they keep us so humble and before mm-hmm. the Lord crying out for healing or relief from that trial. Even secular science and behavioral science and psychology has embraced the idea of stress wood mm. because they say that one of the key things that we sh- should be doing as parents is allowing our children to face wind at young ages so that they develop the skills under our care and support Mm -hmm. to go through trials and develop stress wood in their, in who they are as people so that when they are outside of our, our little, you know, individual homes that they, they know how to deal with conflict Mm -hmm. and trials and hard things that happen and they, they've put their faith to practice. Mm-hmm. And we can just create this biodome that just goes, and then all of a sudden somebody steps out of the biodome, and they're like, wait, there's wind? There's wind what? in the world? Yeah. What's going on? And guess what's going to happen? Boom, down. I yeah. spoke to Boom. the high school group last Wednesday night. I mentioned that in both services and just the blessing it was to be with the high schoolers and how difficult it was for me to, speaking of high schoolers, takes a certain type of muscle and my muscle had atrophied, but so it was good to be there and humbling. And um, I started my little talk with them on the problem of evil saying, hey, look, when you get to college, I want you to be ready to answer 
um, what, how God is caring for us in the suffering that's in the world. DuPage County is a pretty soft experience. We have it really good in DuPage County. Um, but there will come a time in your life as you grow where you will realize just how good we have it and how much suffering's in the world. Mm-hmm. 5,000 kids die every day from um, bad water. Mm. Diarrhea, basically, is what I'm saying. 5,000 kids a day. So this notion of letting our kids ready themselves with the realities of the world and, and develop some, some stress wood is really good. I'll never forget Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Atlantic, that he's kind of an entrepreneur. He told the story of when he was four. His mother took him, and I think it was London, took him a couple miles from his house at four years old and told him to find his own way home. Just wanting to help him develop some stress wood. I thought, oh my. Yeah, you, you know, should read the book at The Budden Me by the Abernathy Boys. Say it again? Budden Me, it's called. Oh, it's yeah? It's a book about the Abernathy Boys. Abernathy, true story? Yeah, real true story. Around the era of Teddy Roosevelt, these two young boys that travel the country and Love it. have all these adventures. <laughs> Six years old, horseback across the state of Oklahoma. Mm. I mean, just fascinating how things have changed so much. We think that the best thing to do is to protect Protect, protect, insulate, protect, insulate. and insulate. That's suburbia. And it it's really not. Is. It just really isn't. We, we, we're kidding ourselves if we think it's actually the best thing. Yeah. Everything, that, everything that exists from the natural world, the scientific world, the, 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 the scriptures themselves will tell us that's not the best mm. <laughs> idea. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm, not, I'm preaching to myself. Because I try to create environments where everybody's okay and then nobody's mean and everybody's, you know, yeah. nice and but put I think my that, kids in real safe situations. And it's like... <sighs> well, the hard part as a parent is because clearly there isn't time to step in. Mm-hmm. Clearly there are moments where the winds aren't just for developing stress wood. Mm-hmm. The winds are actually harmful, illegal, mm-hmm. will hurt you for life. You'll be in counseling. You'll <laughs> right. cause bad habit. I mean, there are things. So I, I just, I don't want this conversation to steer our listeners into going, oh, the kids should just be able to do whatever and be right. exposed to whatever. Clearly we're their parents for a reason and there are areas. But what you guys are saying is oftentimes we, we confuse oh, totally. the boundaries of like, this is a healthy life growing experience, even though it's difficult and they are going to get hurt to a degree. Right. And, you know, the other side where like, okay, this is actually damaging. Right. This yeah, is, I mean, there's clearly there's, I think we don't, we tend to be in the other ditch. Totally. And often when we're in that ditch, it's, it's really much more about us than it is about the child. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you say to the person who's faced so many trials that yeah. they keep asking, why me? Right. That's why, why would you ask that question, Simone? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it a yeah. time or two. Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time, to be honest, answering that question. It's just I. It's just not my wiring to think that way. I. I just turn. I tend to be the eternal optimist, which also is has its many flaws. Um, and so sometimes I struggle with knowing how to answer that to somebody, other than. I mean, it's so hard because yeah. there's the answers that are often given are so yeah. trite, right. and. Um, unsupportive and unloving and kind of fix it mm-hmm. um, kind of mentality. I think one of the, you know this way more than, 
than me, but I think just being in that situation with that person where you're actually listening, because a lot of our culture, it's not okay to, to share that way, Mm -hmm. talk that way. And so even just saying, I don't know, but, and I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. sitting with a person in that, I I don't know. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but I know that I love you and I want to be here with you and I want to care for you and I want you to cry out and I'll listen and I'll help. And I can't give you the answer from exactly why Mm -hmm. it's you more than someone else. We can't. Mm -hmm. Now we can give answers like God's always with you in it. God will never give you more than you can bear. I mean, we know those things. We, but even there's, though, even those answers, you have to be careful. You with. do a hundred percent. That's what I'm saying, and right, that, that's right, that's right. the next, almost like the mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. level of of care, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, so sometimes my my answer is, what do you know to be true? Mm-hmm. You know, you know that God loves you, cares for you, is sovereign, and how do you how do you join those two truths that you're constantly facing trials. It doesn't feel like there's an end in sight. Mm. You don't have answers to the why, but what, but how do you marry that with what you do know to be true, that yeah. God is faithful, that he will provide a way out. He does care for you. He does love you. One of the things I said, um, and I stole this from Tim Keller. Um, Lots of stealing going on today. Yeah. I take Nothing new under the sun. Keller wouldn't mind. Um, when I was talking to the high schoolers about suffering, um, and it, it comes to mind, although John's point is well taken, I wouldn't lead with this, but at some point, um, I would say it doesn't make it any easier to suffer without a belief in God. Mm. In other words, there are a Mm -hmm. lot of people who say, I will not believe in God because my life has been so hard. That actually makes life harder. Mm. Uh, I, I urge the high schoolers, don't scrap your faith just because of suffering. In fact, suffering is worse without faith. Um, without faith, our suffering is purposeless. But Romans yep. 8 tells us, with faith in Christ, all our suffering is ultimately redeemed. That's, that's a beautiful reality. Second thing I would say is, and I mentioned this Sunday from the platform, um, Christianity is the only worldview in which God has entered time and space to bear our suffering and to fix things. Mm. Every other worldview, humanism, materialism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, every other worldview says, we've got to fix it. And, uh, you know, when I just see what's unfolding in the Ukraine and when I see what's unfolding in the Middle East... I'm increasingly convinced that humanists don't have a leg to stand on. Things, things aren't getting better. We're repeating history. We're not learning our lessons. But thank goodness for Christ who entered time and space and will fix all things. So don't scrap it. Uh, Christ ensures the fact that all our suffering will be redeemed. There's no purposeless. There's not a tear wasted. Yeah, that's good. I usually try to not make it sound like I'm trying to get in an argument with someone that's suffering. But if they pose that question, like I usually, that's where I usually go. Like, Hey, I I get it, man. Uh, I know suffering. Um, I know you're suffering before you make a decision. I want you to consider the alternative that, that God 
isn't in this and you're suffering now, now what, what's the, like you just said, it, it would be pointless suffering. There'd be, yeah. you're mindlessly, pointlessly suffering with no plan. Keller. And I loved it when he would do this. He, he would say about suffering that, um, whatever the reason, it can't be that God doesn't care. Mm. Whatever the reason for your suffering, whether it's your own foolishness, the collective foolishness of the community, the family you grew up in, whatever the reason, we can't say that God doesn't care because he hung on a cross to fix it, which is so comforting. Hey, Glowing Bible Church family, both campuses, 501 Hillside and 300 East Schick Road, we'd love for you to join us at the fall gathering Sunday night, next Sunday night at four o'clock at 501 Hillside Campus. There you'll hear about how things are going in ministry. We'll also approve the budget for 2024. So if you had budgetary questions or leadership or programmatic questions, you could bring those to the fall gathering. We look forward to meeting together next Sunday night at four o'clock. All right, let's go uh, to the next one. Kelly mentioned that the people in the Hall of Faith were not perfect. It confuses me that God commends them as faithful when some of them were so sinful. Do you think that confuses others? I do think it confuses others. <laughs> I think it really throws us for a loop. I'm reading a book. I'm just It's a study in Jacob in his life. Jacob, um, his name actually means deceiver. He was bent. And by bent, I, I mean psychologically warped. Jacob was, I mean, you could argue he was a narcissist in many respects, a liar, um, chronic liar. Um, anyway, um, but he's in the Hall of Faith, right? He's listed there, and um, Jacob's name is actually changed to Israel. It's the, the first mention of the nation, uh, the name by from which the nation gleans their name, Israel. It was given to this deceiver who is being cared for by God. So I do think it 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 throws people. Um, so we shouldn't um, confuse that God is celebrating their faith and think that He's also celebrating their sin. He's not. He's not giving them a pass either. Uh, Jacob reaped a lot of deadly consequences. I mean. Genesis chapter 34, where his daughter Dinah is raped, uh, is a, it's a horrific tale of Jacob's passivity and the brokenness of his family and his, um, his own deception, uh, bearing ugly fruit in his life. It just, so I do think it throws people. And I, one of the reasons I think it throws people is that too often from pulpits we've heard be like David. Yeah, don't Be, moralize. <laughs> yeah. Don't right. moralize scripture. Yeah, talk about that, John, a little bit. <laughs> when we take when we take a text and we we only look for the moral of the story. It's actually very rare. Not never, but it's actually very rare that there is a moral of the story is be like or do this or do that. Do like David and Goliath, be like David and Defeat your slay giants. your giants. <laughs> that's the, that's moralizing scripture. So if we're if we're uh, if we're going to moralize, the moral of the story is, and there's this one nugget takeaway. Nine times out of ten, ninety nine point nine times out of ten, uh, 
we're not, we're not doing appropriate exegesis. Yeah, so you take Abraham, who gets a lot of play in Hebrews 11. Well, he lied uh, compulsively about to save his own skin. He would march into town and he would fear for his life and his possessions because when the local king saw how beautiful Sarah was, the king's going to want her. And so he didn't. He wanted to avoid conflict, so he kind of throws his he throws his wife under the bus. He goes, "Oh, she's my sister." And so the, at one point, the king actually takes his his wife into the king's harem, and then God visits the king and says, "Hey, be warned! You've just taken another man's wife." And and so God intercedes. It's a it's a theme throughout the Old Testament of covenant jeopardy. Truth be told, where the sin of in some cases. God's people actually jeopardizes the work that God's trying to do in these people's lives. And so God has to rescue Sarah uh, from this harem experience. And, and he does. He cares for Abraham despite Abraham's sinfulness. I said in second surf service that we, it should be tremendously comforting the sinners that are listed in Hebrews 11 and tremendously challenging mm-hmm. because even in their sin, they believed what they had heard from God and they acted on those promises. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're very specific promises to these Old Testament people. So we have, we have promises too that we're acting on. And one of the primary promises is that Christ is returning and he'll judge us. Um, and so we should live accordingly. You know, we have, when we hear words like faithful or a man after my own heart, like we hear perfection. Yeah. And it's, it's not that. It's not, there was only one that was perfect. And it just reminds me, like, that's, that's what I think. Because that trips me up. It does when I, <laughs> when I consider what David did. And, um, and then to hear that he is a man after God's own heart, it's like... What does that mean? Totally. It's a, it's a conflict for sure. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, for the first time while listening to you preach yesterday, Kelly, and reading through who's all listed, knowing some of the things you just shared about the what's the word like the stained background of a lot of these people I thought of people I wish who were in this chapter that aren't you know and I it's the same thing I mean you just have to trust in God's sovereignty that there's a reason why these people are pointed out Mm -hmm. over others but there were definitely some other names I thought oh I wonder why they didn't make it you know Mm -hmm. that was that had crossed my mind for the first time at some point, I'm looking for it. He says there are many others. Yeah, he does say that. He does. Well, he yeah. says I don't have time, time to, yeah. to talk about, 32. and then he because yeah. he's preaching. Mm-hmm. Who? F- I don't have time <laughs> to talk about those who conquered kingdoms, administered mm-hmm. justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths mm-hmm. of lions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just demonstrate from what we can pull from some of you know Old Testament passages of faithfulness in smaller ways that maybe mm. aren't conquering kingdoms, but are faithful to love God. It. Love it. Yeah. yeah. I can, mm-hmm. could name a few. All right, let's go to the final one. Uh, walking by faith rather than by sight has got to have some qualifiers, <laughs> right? We aren't supposed to ignore reality. No, we are not. There are qualifiers. So Second uh, Corinthians 4.18 says, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. This does not mean that we pretend or ignore reality around us. You know, if the building's on fire, we don't walk by faith and stay in the building. <laughs> we get out of the building. So uh, the truth is, 
walking by faith, we should be uh, realists par excellence. We should be, we should be the ones that uh, call a spade a spade and recognize reality for what it is, the, the fallen, troubled uh, difficulties we face. It, it, what it means, though, is it also means that we see clearly that the eternal is more real, that is lasting, how about that, than what is temporal. Yes, in this world is ter- filled with difficulties. We're not ignoring that. We're actually saying these are uh, fading away. These, these are, this won't last forever. Christ will return. There is a kingdom coming. We're to pray for your kingdom to come. So it's, we don't ignore what's going on here. We just acknowledge that eternal realities are more weighty than temporal. I think there's also a how do we engage with those, those realities with a, a posture of, of um, hope. You talked about hope a little bit on... I can't remember. On Sunday. <laughs> did I? You did, because okay. you talked about faith is really hope in the future. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yep. So how do we engage with those present realities? If, if we are acknowledging that there is a, there's something more, and that's, more, that's actually more real than what we're experiencing, it, to me, it, I uh, consistently feel and need to tell myself, you need to move more in faith. I don't, I don't ever have, I can't think of a time that I think, you know what, you need to be based more in reality. <laughs> <laughs> right? You need to have more reality, John. Mm. And maybe that's just me, but that's easy for me. Deal with the here and now, figure it out, use my skills, use my abilities, use what's around me to engage with that reality, figure it out, get past it, celebrate it, fix it, whatever it is. Mm. But I regularly need to, to pause or think, what am I going through? What's this happening? What's going on around me? And think, okay, how do I engage with this reality in a posture of, of faith? Yeah, hope, you know? is a, hope is a good word. So if your marriage is struggling and you're at odds with your spouse and um, hope tells us um, that there's a better day ahead, that Christ is going to care for us, but we still have to grow a healthy marriage. We mm-hmm. still have to engage with our spouse and whatever that is, go to counseling or, um, yeah, yeah, there can be real difficult I used to uh, travel a decent amount um, before I started working at the church, and I, I used to travel with a guy pretty regularly, and in the world of travel, I mean, I know a lot of folks around here travel for work regularly, and there's constant delays, or you don't get what you want, you didn't get the seat you wanted, you didn't get, you know, whatever it is, just constant. It's constant when you travel regularly, and you almost to the point where you like celebrate the time where it's like, I got on my flight on time. I got in the seat I was supposed to see. So my bag arrived. And I, I actually, we landed 15 minutes early and I got in the Uber and it was no problem. Awesome. And the more you travel, maybe that's more your experience. But he would say things like, we, you know, we hit a flight delay and he'd be like, all right, what's God got for us? There's a reason. And it, it's not all, like I get, okay, that's a great God reminder. isn't del- delaying every flight, da, 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 da. But, to me, it was more about our posture in the midst of reality of saying, okay, we're people of faith. We're not here by mistake. We're agents of the kingdom of God. There's a reason why this is all going on around us. Maybe I'm a part of it. Maybe I just need to hear something that other, somebody else is saying. Maybe just the way I'm smiling in the line instead of 
getting ready to just gear up and tear the ticket agent to shreds. <laughs> Whatever it is, yep. there's a reason why it's all happening. And I, I mean, personally, those types of moments of hiccups in reality and all that, you know, I don't always have that posture of like, okay, what's God showing me? What's the faith? What, what is encouraged, supposed to encourage my faith or the community of faith I'm leading in a part of or whatever, you know? If we engage with reality in a posture of I'm a, I'm a person of faith, I'm a keeper of the faith, I'm in the faith, reality is happening, how's my faith going to interact with this reality? I know that sounds kind of weird, but... I like it. If the flight's delayed, certainly we're going to do everything we can to get on the next one or get on there in time. Like, there's stuff going on, life's happening, but in that moment, what might be yeah. what we're supposed to learn or do or be a part of? I think what's important is to be dialoguing with God about totally. it. Totally. Because that could quickly turn into this thing where you're just kind of worshiping the events and the change and turn of events. You know what I mean? Like you kind of start focusing on that. You get really kind of spiritual. and Yeah. Instead of just you're constantly dialoguing right. with God. All right, God, right. not getting on this plane now for four more hours. Uh, this stinks. Soften my heart and talk to me. Yeah. And what do you got? What, what's going on here? Right. It, you know. Because there's image bearers all around us. Yes. God, God right. in the image of God is in the people all around us. So there has to be something going on. I was going to say, you're triggering a lot of people right now who don't like to be late. <laughs> <laughs> and who are, yeah. you know, like, you know, you triggering plan. myself. Well, and I mean, listen, I don't mean to make this like a life lesson, but you typically when you have overreactions to things, especially if you don't have control of those things. So like a delayed flight or whatever, and you have these overreactions, it's indicative of something deeper going on inside of you. And a lot of times, um, yeah. this question, Simone of, just put me on blast. No, 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 <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Cause you're, this is, this, this is not your everyday. I'm just saying that, um, this is myself. I mean, we had a situation in our household this morning of mm. one of our children s- sleeping through alarms. Uh huh. I heard that happen at our house too. Really? Do they think we have time to take them to school late? You know, it was, and so like in that moment you have to, you don't actually think about it in the moment. Am I going to overreact or, I mean, maybe you do if you're like in a good place, but a lot of times you don't think about how am I going to react in this moment? It's already coming out. And so if you're, it's, it's what we're doing in the slowness of life and it's what we're doing that's routinal and our discipline spiritually that builds faith mm-hmm. so that we can walk by faith so that when things hit us that we can't control whether it's a flight or a, a kid sleeping through an alarm or name them we could right. list all the things um it's we're prepared we have trained for those mm-hmm. moments That's and good. it matters because people do see the way we react our kids notice the way we react yeah. strangers see it yeah. and so i don't know i feel like that's how i do my best to walk by faith is to prepare and to be disciplined and to do things that are routinal growing in my faith, as opposed to grinning and bear like white knuckling life. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. No, it doesn't work. (laughs) Such a good word. Yeah. And the more, you know, faith is a muscle that we, we develop, the more we use it, the more it strengthens Take small steps of faith. What's a small step of faith you can take today in a situation, in something in your life? And watch it grow. Watch it grow. Take yeah. another one. Yeah. There's all sorts of, you know, metaphors with a life of faith. And find people. A, a big one for me is to be around people, read books of people that have taken 
steps of faith that just to encourage us, um, people in the past that have done and moved in faith, lived a life of faith. I mean, those are ins- inspirational stories that can just move us along, help us to live by faith more, not be stressed and feel like we've got to control, manage, yeah. white knuckle everything. Yeah. Sorry. One more thought. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Okay. Sharing our, sharing our <laughs> thoughts. I don't know if it relates. Um, it's hard to do that when you're on 60 miles an hour at all times. Totally. It's so hard to do everything you just said. Um, and when, when you have people counting on you. Yeah. Too. That's true too. So yeah. you can either go slower mm-hmm. or you can get rid of all your yeah. kids. I mean, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> or, quit, or quit your job. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I th- that, that is, I think I shared a little bit about this last week, but that is what's on my heart consistently right now. And the passage that's really inspiring me is when Moses and God are having a conversation and Moses says, if your presence is not with us, I do not want to go. And I'm feeling that in all areas of life and thinking, I, I mean that. Like if, Lord, if you were not leading, whether it's Naomi's house or my family or whatever it is, I don't want to go. I don't mm. care if that means we slow down. I don't care if that means we serve less people. I don't, I don't know what that means. I just, I just know the implications of trying to do something without you is worse mm-hmm. than anything else. And so I think you have to, you have to slow down and you, um, it's hard to live by faith if you're running as fast as you can, that you can't see anything around you. So that was really for me. Thank you. <laughs> good no, job. That's good. <laughs> All right, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels. It's also dedicated for uh, to us sharing our thoughts. But we're answering questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in to the next topic. Prophecy.